you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Diana Figurito. I hope I didn't slaughter your name too much, Diana. It's perfect. Nice to be, nice to be here, Mads. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. So I am super excited for today's conversation. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about leadership development and some of all this good stuff. But just before we get into all of the fun stuff, uh, there's people around the world who don't yet know who you are. So could you share a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are right now? Sure. So my name is Diana Vigrito. Currently, I'm based in Lima, Peru. I've been here for two years, um, but I grew my career in Manhattan. I, I'm from New York. Um, and I grew um, my base in, in advertising technology in New York City for 13 years. I got a little burnt out. Um, I was at Pinterest last and was really interested more in the people space than sales, which is what I was originally in. Um, I opened up a yoga retreat business um, as I really loved to travel. So I started traveling the world. And on one of those yoga retreats, I met a man in Peru. And we started dating long distance. And then he, we had a mishap at the, the American border. He wasn't allowed into the United States. So when COVID happens, I wasn't happy with my job. So I quit, moved to Peru and launched my business, Big Connect Coaching and Consulting, where I would come into corporations and help grow um, their leaders and develop their people on values-based impact. And then I also coach one-on-one as well um, on people making career transitions. So that's who I am. And um, yeah, that's my story. Fantastic. That sounds super interesting. So you, you mentioned something, you're, you're working with value-based impact. What, what does that mean for you? I think like what happened to, for me was I lost sight of my values. I lost sight of who I was and I was so unhappy in the space that I was in. Um, and I think a lot of people don't take the time to sit back and be intentional about what they actually value or even make a list of their values if you ask someone what are your values do they necessarily know could they speak it out um and are they living life by their values so i help companies to bring their people forth have those people get in touch with their values and feel like they're living in a congruent space and then we can then um attach them to the company values to ensure that there's alignment in the mission um and if people aren't aligned they should leave as, as they should and go find something else because there's so many other opportunities out there. And if they are, it can help the company to grow and retain their people, engage their people. Um, but it's about knowing who you are, what you want. And how do you then jump from that to, to then developing based on values? Like how is that connected? Yeah, so once people know who they are, it's easier to move within an organization, right? So when you have a guidebook to you, you can give your leader, your manager, a guidebook on, this is how I like to be managed. I, I receive feedback really well. I don't care about money. I want a pat on the back, um, things of that nature. Because then you know how to show up in a team and a space. The other piece is if your teams all know that their values and what matters to you, you can you know, work on remote work, um, time off. There's a way in which, and a finesse in which 
you can show up in the space and in the business that'll actually make you happy versus being resentful um, or feeling like you're not getting the things you need. So it's like showing up, um, knowing who you are and being able to tell people who you are so they can best work with you as well, your style, and you can manage up and they can manage down. So I, I, I'm keen both on self-development and definitely like knowing self, I think is probably one of the most important traits for any leader, right? So how do you go around identifying it and how do you go around helping people understand who they are? Yeah, so there's a, there's a number of ways. So um, there's a workshop I give that's identifying your values and setting up a vision. Um, and a lot of people can do a workshop like that. I, I really like that to set the scene and it makes people feel really seen. They can, they can come forth with, wow, I didn't realize that I had that value. I didn't know how much, for example, nature mattered to me. And you could do something as simple as like bringing plants into the office. I mean, that sounds trite a little bit, but things along those lines. So there's a workshop that I give that's values-based. Um, and then you can also do as a leader or as a management system, you can um, do um, certain tests like Clifton Strengths, which is the Gallup polls. Enneagram is another one. DISC is another. So you'll see um, specific strengths within the person to understand what it is that they value in other people and in themselves so that you can kind of have a framework of how to work with each person on your team. So it's those kind of ma management tools and mapping and then workshops as well that we would bring. Um, not just like asking people what their values are because it doesn't, that doesn't inspire creativity. Well, mo most people don't know themselves that well, to be honest. I mean, just, it, it takes a lot of work to actually figure yourself out. And reality is most people, one, they haven't done the work and two, in most cases, they haven't had the time to actually sit down or they haven't taken the time at least to sit down and really, you know, explore themselves and figure out who they are. Um, in my yeah, like they're not, yeah. And they're not necessarily living life with intentionality. It's a reactive thing. Like, okay, you went to university, then you got whatever graduate degree, then you got the job to pay for the student loans or to live where you live. And you didn't like take the time to set up your life in an intentional way where you're making sure that you're living by your values. I had the fortune of doing that in my mid thirties, but before that it was survival mode. So when you take a step back and actually do it, it can be really eye-opening. Um, but I don't blame people for not knowing that. Like, it's not necessarily available in corporations. They're not necessarily um, taking the time to, to sort it. But I think with the pandemic, people have been able to do it a little bit more. There's been a step back on like, I'm not doing this anymore. That's why we had the great resignation and everyone quitting their jobs, right? Or you, Mads, for example, you're traveling all over the world with this podcast. And like, people are realizing I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to do these things that definitely they at least can identify what are not their values yeah totally totally and uh yeah i think it, it's interesting and i think uh, a lot of time just just getting to know yourself better also just I, I feel makes at least for me makes me a better human because a lot of the time you know like for example money money is a great example like if you ask most people like you know, is, is getting a higher salary important to you? And every, and like 95% says yes. But if you actually go and look at their, their real values and what actually moves them and what actually motivates them, it's more like, you know, 25% of the population that's actually significantly moved by money. 
So I think that that piece is like really, yeah, that's really interesting, right? And and again, it's mostly a cultural thing because people are so used to like looking around and people and seeing like, oh, well, you know, they're making more money. It's a money thing. It's a money thing. But but people don't realize that that that's not how it works for most people. So yeah, like I've been on multiple sales teams and managed teams as well, and you'd be surprised how much the salespeople are not motivated by money. Like there'll maybe be one person on the team that's super money motivated. And the others, maybe like for myself, I was motivated by mentoring, mentorship, coaching others, getting a chance to um, do cross-functional collaboration within the business. So it's, it's shocking, number one. And then number two, you add in the cultural element. Like I, I left New York City, which is arguably one of the most capitalistic places in the world, right? And I came to Lima, Peru. People are not money motivated here. It's, I mean, broad strokes, it's just not. And shifting my whole life from that mindset of like basically judging people on their worth of how much money they have or how productive they are, quote unquote, and realizing that it's not about that um, is both a relief and also was anxiety provoking for me. Um, but, but it's a relief. It's like, oh, there are people that, they ma- it matters that more to take a walk at night or digest your lunch after you eat it, not eat yeah. at your desk. Um, and that's really cool to see culturally. Yeah, but also, I mean, I, again, like I, I, I've been many, many countries around the world and, you know, sometimes seen people that we would consider very poor and, and you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll have to go fish so we have something to eat for dinner. Then they go fish for 20, 30 minutes, come back, and then they're like, oh, I catch fish for dinner. But at no point do they consider catching more fish to sell it or uh, doing more. They're like, oh, I have enough for dinner right now, so I don't want to worry about, you know, what's ahead of that, right? And and for most people, that, that, that whole mindset can be really difficult. It can for me, like, definitely. Like, I'm always, like looking for opportunities and like oh but you know if you catch more and sell it to your neighbor or whatever like you can you can save up some money and you can build a little bit nicer house and so on and whereas reality is just a lot of people that you know are much happier just hanging out with their family and relaxing and so on right so yeah Yeah, and i've seen that here it's reflected in my husband he's peruvian and i am so ambitious and i'm creating this and going on this podcast and doing this. And he's like relaxing, um, doesn't need a lot. And I see his family as well. And they're like really happy. I don't see the anxiety that they have that a lot of New Yorkers have that I was used to. And this like, this constant, um, I don't know, this energetic like dread almost that I used to see in New York. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it here. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, so I'm from Denmark originally and, and in Denmark, like one of the things I've always liked the least about Denmark, I wouldn't say hate it, but like the least is the fact that typically how, how Danish people treat strangers, like, you know, if you're in a bus and start talking to someone you don't know, they look at you like you're really weird and so on. And it's like, it's like people are running around and, you know, if the bus is one minute late, it's the world is going under because, you know, they have to get one bus to get another bus. And if, if, if anything fails, you know, they're going to be screwed. And, you know, it's like everything is so timed. Everything is so calculated. And, and you know, if, if just the tiniest thing goes wrong, the whole thing blow up. 
And, you know, that's, uh, in my experience, that just means, like, I, I've, I've been naturally a super introvert by nature, right? And it wasn't until I left then I got 18 that I actually started, you know, communicating more effectively with people and, and actually learning this whole people thing. And that's, uh, for me, like, just just that piece just makes such a difference to life. Um, it really does. It's like, it would be like, you know, the expression in English would be, stop and smell the flowers right so that's how I was when I left New York I was like didn't take the time I took an uber everywhere I wouldn't take time to walk casually and look around um whereas here I do and people stop and have conversations at cafes and um there's a also there's a way you do business here there's always pleasantries um in the beginning like you have to kind of like have a 30 minute conversation about how your kids are and while it annoys me because I'm a New Yorker, I appreciate that certain cultures do that. Like there are, you know, first you say, hello, how are you? And you genuinely mean it versus Americans who say it um, often and don't want the answer. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting, there's a book called The Culture Map that speaks to that, like doing business in different cultures and how each culture reacts differently and how you have to know these unspoken norms. Really interesting. Um, but it's totally true. I appreciate more than ever having um, more downtime and the slower pace of life in a culture that's not so necessarily money and produ- productivity driven. Yep. Yeah. And it gives, but, yeah. it gives people a chance to develop themselves. Like you said, they can look inside. Yeah, definitely. And that's, uh, I think that's also what happened because many people do realize that you know, it's not necessarily being busy that motivates them the most, right? It's just, for many people, it's a lifestyle they've gone into. There's certainly people and there's certainly a fair chunk of people that are super motivated by constantly striving for more and being super competitive and so on, right? But that's, um, again, that's great for them, right? Yeah, and, and I think the younger people, when you refer to them, like Gen Z and probably Gen Alpha as well, it's going to come up. And millennials too, like younger millennials, they're not going to do this anymore. They're not going to put up with this. Um, they're going to focus less on potentially the money. Because also millennials are seeing that they, if they did focus on money, where did it get them? They're in no better place than their parents were, um, at least in the United States, you know, when their parents were their age. They can't afford a house. They still have student loans and all of these things, right? So people have realized that you worked so hard for specific money and and to be productive um, and it hasn't really gotten them somewhere. So they're shifting their, um, their style of what they want to do. And they're leaving the workforce in droves. They're starting with the gig economy. They're becoming remote workers. um, And they're realizing that they can work for themselves as well, um, which is a whole different ball game in terms of uh, corporations and the way that the world is shifting. I do think that, we're going to shift toward a gig economy more and more and more in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. So where, where does that leave us when it comes to, to leadership development? And how, how, do we, how do you effectively help develop the next leaders and so on? Yeah, I mean, I create a growth plan. I, I go into organizations. I speak with the top. So we create a growth plan for each person individualized. First, we do a 360 review. So we get um, about 12 different opinions on said person and um, 
and create, you know, pull up the themes. Um, then we put them in workshops that builds team building that um, allows them to identify their values and aligns the values with the, um, the values of the company. And um, then we kind of move them forward in a year. It's based on four modules. So um, there's one-on-one -on -one coaching, which I recommend that everyone get a coach. Um, whatever the topic may be, especially people, business owners, I know that they, that a lot of business owners have coaches, but one-on-one -on -one coaching, then group coaching, then workshops, um, the 360 review. And then um, sometimes we'll also kind of throw in actual like panels and things like that, where we bring in other coaches, other leaders to try to grow them. But we create a growth plan and that's worked upon and it's touched it's touch based on each quarter. And we don't just like forget about it, which is what happens in a lot of other organizations where there's like performance reviews. You find out that you need to work on this, but then there's no action plan for the work or there's no follow through on the action plan. Um, so with that coaching, we follow through on it. And I like the coaching and the cadence of every other week. I really do, do think that that's important. Um, and this is why coaching is getting so popular. People are seeing, I mean, when I got into it, I initially had a coach. The people I looked up to had coaches. Mentors had coaches. And people that were building their businesses had coaches. And that's why I was so interested in it and compelled by it. Because I would be compelled by any sort of learning and growth development, right? So once I saw that, I was like, what's going on here? And um, yeah, so those are the modules that we would work with in a corporation. Um, and people can also work on that themselves. They can, you know, the way that I was trained on coaching was um, three principles, fulfillment, balance, and, and process. And that fulfillment is like, who are you? Who are, who is your leader within? And what are the saboteurs or the inner critic, the self-sabotaging voices that are holding you back? So people need to know that in their mind, um, their thoughts aren't always true or their thoughts aren't always their thoughts. It could just be someone else, you know? So they have to be able to identify and be in control of their mind. Um, and then what are their values and what is their big vision for their life? That's fulfillment. The second um, principle is balance. And that's how are you choosing to show up and what perspective are you choosing to have? Because you're ultimately choosing how you show up in the world and how you take in any situation. I don't know if you've read the book by Viktor Frankl, but um, Man's Search for Meeting, that's like one of, the, uh, one of the best books out there in terms of like actual gaining perspective. And for those of the viewers that haven't read it, it's written by a Holocaust survivor who kind of like, he's also a psychiatrist and he determines, um, he said basically the people that survived chose to have purpose. And that was one of the things that helps people survive and move forward in life. And then the last principle of, of um, coaching is process. And that's what can you not be with? What are you not looking at? So I work in those principles and I work in those modules. Um, and usually we work across a year um, in these organizations, to help grow their people. But it's a comprehensive growth plan that management is on board with. And people are in like these leadership are investing in their people versus being reactive when their people leave or when their people get upset. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, I, I find it very interesting with the management development in particular, right? Because I, I think for, for me, it's probably the one most overlooked piece of development in, in majority of even large organizations, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't, haven't been in touch with many large organizations, the amount of people who are being promoted into management positions and then 
given very little to no support in many cases is scaringly many and uh, it's it, it keeps baffling me every time that that companies are not more eager to actually invest in these people that they promote because everything else being equal it's probably the it's probably the best area to invest in overall right and uh, yeah and yeah. they take individual contributors and they make them managers and this is a classic i work in tech a lot this is a classic startup um like faux pas that they do uh where they take these young ics that are like amazing at yeah sure closing a sale but they don't know how to manage at all um and you know the cost of attrition is expensive it costs the salary and a half of a person when you lose that so companies are being short-sighted and not necessarily investing in their people especially managers um when they move them and the problem with it is that uh, the, the different generations so who's who's running the company or who has the investment uh who's in charge it's potentially uh a different generation than the people that are actually the middle managers um and they're not choosing to invest in their people because they don't see it as necessary but the attitudes of the past have changed like people expect to be invested in they expect help and they expect you to train them whereas the past people felt lucky to have a job and you stayed at the same company forever there wasn't like talent competition the way it is now um so i think that what's happening is these companies need to catch up with the times and some are some are i mean the most companies that i work with are very progressive because obviously they're hiring a coach and you already know that you're progressive if you're bringing in outside help you're contracting people for management training um but you're right this is where they're lacking and there's a lot of resources that they could utilize to make sure that they're getting training for their managers as well totally um like Elon Musk says anything that you want to learn you can find online right so you can find you can use Udemy you can use Coursera you can utilize all these things even if you don't have the money to bring on contract work yeah and and even i mean there's a lot of solid books and so on now i i think one one of the big tricks that many companies are missing is actually teaching the staff how to do self develop and how to learn things by themselves mm. i think that's probably one of the most valuable skills in any employees because you know if you're giving a great employee a task they don't know how to do and you you want them to go and figure it out because it's not worth it for you to go figure it out and then tell them how to do it um that's you know they they need to have some kind of self starter and some people have it by nature but but many don't but but really when you learn how to learn things and when you when you learn how to figure stuff out like that's that's a, probably the most valuable skill at least for me in literally any employee right can i ask if that was how you learned or you were taught to learn in denmark no it's definitely not um yeah, i mean like Yeah, go ahead. I'm sure it's better in Denmark than it is in many countries, but it's definitely not how you're taught to learn. Like it's still like like again, uh, it's a couple of days since I went to school. Um but <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean it, again, it was a lot of repetition and it was like a lot of the time it was more understanding to remember a formula than actually yeah. understanding yeah. the concept, right? Uh which in the which, states the same. In the states you're learning how to win or pass a test. Um, that's, that's what we learned, which is why there's all this like testing and, um, 
you're not you're not really taught how to learn until you get to the collegiate level. So bachelor's degree and then even higher, like the graduate degree and of course PhD. But first of all, that's not readily available in the States um, monetarily, so expensive. Um, and second, they they kind of like teach you how to be, so this is again, culturally, they're teaching you how to be productive, not necessarily how to learn. So it's different. So what we do in coaching or in leadership development is you're teaching people how to learn, like how to learn based on yourself, how to learn based on relational, the people around you, which um, people say that being relational and being like socially in adept with your peers is actually considered like more valuable than being smart, quote unquote smart um, now in schools. And they're really even looking at that more and more and more. Um, so that's a shift in the way that we work, we show up in the workplace. Yeah, I think and school-wise, like it's, I don't know, I could talk about school for ages, but but I think the biggest challenge I have with school is exactly that, like the fact that if you have a high IQ and a good tendency to remember things and basically store things in your brain, uh, then you get very good grades because you can put a lot of stuff in and you remember it well, right? Whereas if you're a much more creative individual, you're, you're probably worth a lot more to the world to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but the way school break creative people down because they can't remember, because they, like, they have different, they just have natural different motivations, right? Which makes it harder for them to remember things like, you know, logical math or physics or things like that, right? So, so it, but it breaks them down. Like, the amount of people I know that, you know, are super creative, super outgoing individuals that really struggled so much in school and often the, the, the problem is they, they end up with, they end up with no self-belief. They end up um, often being bullied because they're no good at school uh, and all this sort of stuff. And it, it's such a shame because it's literally like 20, 30% of the world population that, you know, is kind of lost just because they don't fill the buckets. And reality is now, like, you know, if you have a, if you have a phone in your hand, like you can look up any information, like remembering anything I mean, I'm not saying there's no value to remembering things, but really nowadays it's about understanding things, understanding how things function and work together and why things do what they do. It's not like, like just remembering senseless pieces of history or whatever, like absolutely pointless to a large degree. Yeah, it's the application of the knowledge. I mean, that's why they say that there's like a, um, there's a barrier, there's many, but there's a barrier between different generations because there's an, there's an expected respect for, um, for elderly people, which we understand and we do, but there, there's a wisdom usually that the elderly people carry that they expect younger people to, to look up to them for the answers. But we don't need that anymore. You can look an answer up in your phone, right? So there's this like commanding of respect when it's like, you don't necessarily, yeah, you have life wisdom, but you don't necessarily have all the answers anymore because we have them in our hands. So how do we shift that power imbalance now? Um, and it's totally, you're totally right that that some people get broken down in school. And I like to see the way that schools are handling it now. Um, and also businesses for more creative individuals and where they can find space for themselves and the way that they work too. The other thing is they don't necessarily work in nine to five. And you and I obviously don't work in nine to five either. So 
my mind doesn't really work well in the nine to five either. I'm way more productive at like late at night or really early in the morning. Um, so the freedom to be able to do that with hybrid and remote work now is also allowing people to be more creative and be more productive in the way that suits them. And that speaks to their own values and knowing that to know that and self be true. Yeah. It's it come back to another piece that I, I, I think is going to be critical in the future. And uh, I mean, really companies and organizations focusing on output and results much more than time. Right. I, I think yes. on, honestly, like this, this sort of 40 hour work week thing that we've been, I mean, in different countries, slightly different, but this 40 hour work week culture, I think that's about to change uh, over the next five to 10 years, just because mm-hmm. people have, there's so much more value in focusing on the output and focusing on the result. And then, you know, some people in the beginning, if you start something new, you might have to spend more time. But, you know, as you progress and the better you are, the less time you have to spend. And uh, that doesn't mean you can't do a full-time job in in that sense. But I I think that whole line is going to become very different. I I think, honestly, in many cases, I think it will actually mean people work more. So I'm not saying it's going to be a a working less thing. I I think what will happen is that quite a few people will either feel obligated to perform better and do more mm. and i think some people want to do it because that's natural in the personality so i think you you'll see a lot of people who will actually end up working more than they do today but i am very confident it will be significantly more fulfilling and it will be more much more on the things they want to do right yes and that, that reminds me of um the last two tech companies i worked at had unlimited vacation days and you just didn't take them you just didn't take the vacation. <laughs> so it was a farce, like you said. Um, it had us working more um, because of the fact that there was this like fallacy that you really could take a bunch and you could do whatever you wanted. Um, but in fact, people didn't take them. So I get what you're saying in terms of that. But, at, but like you said, um, just the freedom of being able to take vacation when you want and, as, and being able to go to Thailand for two weeks just the freedom to work whenever you want. Maybe you will work more, but at least you're more fulfilled in the way in which that you're showing up. Because you're talking about the journey and the process, right? You're talking about work isn't just your output, even though it ultimately a, a corporation cares about that and business owners care about that. Um, but as business owners, we also care about the process and enjoying it. We wouldn't be business owners if we didn't like that piece of it um, where we're creating. We're creating a business, we're creating a brand, all of that. And that's doing that at whatever time we want is more fulfilling than being behind chained to a desk from a nine to five, even if we have to work more. Totally, totally. Right, Deanna, time flies when you're having fun, they say. Um, any, any sort of final resources or anything else you would love to share with the audience that you think would be valuable for them? Sure. Um, I would love um, if any of the audience is interested in having a chat with me, um, feel free to set up a discovery call. I'm happy to come into your business and um, give a workshop or coach some of your people. As far as resources, um, there's a number that I have at my website, a number of resources I have at my website, and I'd be happy to share. But for now, I really just would like to give the 
kind of like advice, the broad advice to get in touch with who you are, to know yourself, um, to be able to show up both as a manager or as an individual contributor and to be more fulfilled in, in the workspace and in life in general. The biggest thing for me is don't live life by the shoulds, like be unapologetically, authentically yourself and you will watch your life shift when you actually start to do that. Um, so that's kind of like, that's my mission. And that's what I'd like to leave your audience with. Um, be exactly who you are and don't do things because you think that you should. Um, and, and if you bring that to your workplace, I think it'll really resonate with your people. Um, but feel free to reach out to me, Deanna at deepfigconnects.com. Check, check out my website, www.deepfigconnects. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you the way I have with Mads. Um, this has been really fulfilling, Mads. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and I really uh, feel compelled to continue to listen and keep in touch with you. Fantastic. Thank you, Deanna, for, for joining us today. That was a very interesting conversation. Thank you for having me. It was great meeting you. Fantastic. And to the audience, thank you very much for listening all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.